Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Ant-Man and the Wasp, directed by Peyton Reed and released in 2018. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne team up to uncover the secrets of the quantum realm and solve a decades-old mystery. And as we usually do, um, we'll do a quick spoiler-free section. It's a Marvel movie, so most of you are going to see it, but it's one of the lesser Marvel franchises, so maybe some of you won't. So, Katie, should people see Ant-Man and the Wasp? I guess. Like, I didn't hate it as much <laughs> as I did the other one, but it's it's so fluffy and inconsequential to me that, like, literally I was trying to remember today what happened in it for most of it. I find it really, really super creative with the way that it uses um, Scott and Hope's powers. And that was like one of my favorite things about it. And I love the side characters, like minor characters in these movies. Um, I just found the main plot kind of dull. Okay. So I really enjoyed this. It was like just what I needed. It was and, – and when you say light and fluffy, I'm going to agree with that because it sort of felt like – curling up on the couch with a blanket and a hot chocolate and just like settling in for something that was easy and like fun for mm. a couple of hours. Um, I did enjoy it, but I, I, I think I always enjoyed Ant-Man more than you did. And mm. since like on subsequent viewings, it has gotten better for me because I don't have to do, I, I'm not, I'm not dealing with the shock of the horrible sexism of the first time you watch it. So I've enjoyed subsequent viewings of Ant-Man and I quite enjoyed this. Um, it's definitely Ant-Man. It's a definitely an Ant-Man movie. Like, mm. they put the Wasp's name in the title, but she's not the lead. Um, she's definitely the sidekick. She's not even the secondary lead. Like, she um, really isn't. That we, it, we don't frequently see the movie from her point of view and not his. And even mm. when we do, it's her and Han- Hope and Hank. Yeah, no, it's never just from her point of view. And it's never, like, ever, it never ever drops into her main perspective. And it starts and ends with... Scott and it's and it's all around Scott's story and what he's dealing with. So it's very much an Ant Man movie, which is fine. Um, but at one point Marvel were trying to trying to fob this off as like a female led movie and it is not. No, absolutely um, not. It is another In fact movie. there are group movies that I would think are more female led than this. Right. Is. And like the second Guardians Galaxy is is yeah. like it's still mostly Star Lord's story, but at least Gamora gets like a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like um yeah, there are, there are movies where Black Widow gets more of a storyline. Like, yeah, this is, it's, yeah, it's um, not. Anyway, I, I that that put aside, I it, yeah, it's kind of like saying that Winter Soldier is like a Captain America and Black yeah. Widow movie, right? Because yeah, anyway, I look that's it's quibbling, but it's also like it's one of those annoying Marvel things where they think they're being progressive and they're not, but. It just, like, I, I had a lot of fun watching this. It was really funny. Um, it and it was funny. kind of like, I don't know, I just, it was a nice balm after Infinity War. I think that's what they're counting on. Yeah. And that's and that's fine. And it, it, is, it is what it is. It's a fun comedy crime caper, which is what these, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man series is. They, they kind of have defined it in that way. And that's fine. That's what it is. And I personally quite enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah. I'm going to take my pants off. Okay. I have leggings underneath. I walked here and it's usually freezing, but it was so sunny today that I'm overheating. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool, cool. Um, anyway, uh, now that you've taken your pants off and gotten comfortable, <laughs> let's get into spoilers. Okay. So, like, much like the first one, my favorite part of this was Michael Pena. 
Mm. Um, I'm just going to lay that out there. Half my notes are Michael Pena. Every time he had a scene, I felt obliged to take notes on it because I was like, it's Michael Pena. I love him so much. And the other half about Randall Park? Yeah, I have a lot of Randall Park as well. And then I think I noted every time Bobby Cannavale came up on stream, screen. He was funny. Um, Randall Park was a really good addition to the cast. Yes, he's, he fits so well. He and Paul Rudd work so well off each other. He's so funny. And, like, it's it, it's exactly the FBI agent that Ant-Man needs. Yes. That he's kind of bumbling and, and kind of hopeless and all that sort of stuff. Because otherwise, this movie will not work. And it's a it's the kind of part that Randall Park does really well. It is. He's so good in this. I love him. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, much like I love Michael Pena and Bobby yeah, yeah. and Judy Greer, yeah. who like is is a lot better than the last one because she's not nagging ex wife things. Yeah. I, I they actually kind of overcorrected in the other direction they were like yeah. these guys are split up but they're so happy and she's with bobby cannavale and bobby cannavale is excited every time he sees scott he wants a hug which is kind of adorable um they they it's nice they like they made them as a you know a functional and happy broken up couple yeah exactly. and, and who both you know try and do their best for their daughter which was nice it was really nice yeah um so i liked i mean i like i enjoyed any time we saw his family um I, and his friends which yeah. is another thing why it's not Hope's movie because it's like, well, there's I a, mean, there is there's her the family. There's the whole subplot about Michael Pena and the Wombats starting up ex-con security. Well, and um, Scott studying Wombats. Ex- the Wombats. Remember in the first one, my- Michael Douglas says, oh, not those Wombats. Oh. And I don't actually know what their names are. So I'm <laughs> just the Wombats. I don't me. remember that line. Um, I, I think it, I just sort of erase things that Michael Douglas says right. from my mind after he said them. Uh, in, the, in the first one, yeah, no, they need to call, when they need to call them in, he says, oh, not those Wombats. And I it's, it's a great insult, like turnip. It's a great insult. Yes. But anyway, so Michael Pena and the Wombats and Scott have a, now have a security consulting business, which is called Xcon, which yes, is just great. When and that's a whole story as well. I know. Yeah, Michael Pena gets a storyline in this. Um, mm. th- to be fair, Hope does have one. It's just that she doesn't yeah. like change or she's grow. She's definitely or... the sidekick. Yes, she's not the the main character. Also, I was really sad that they changed her hair. Um, I don't know what the decision what what prompted that decision, but that hair really like is is informed by and defines the character mm. that severe bob thing that she had because that is who she is and i think it might be because she's on the run but um it just doesn't have the same effect yeah it's iconic Mm. it's an iconic comic book look for janet van dyne as well that hair i think i think it was it was borrowed from some janet van dyne's looks in the comics but it is iconic like when we talked about the incredibles the other week and talked about how you can recognize them all in Mm. silhouette um and in fact edna mode has a haircut like that Mm. that kind of haircut is instantly you can pick that character out yes and there's nothing particularly special about a brown-haired white lady no like to ask star wars um (laughs) yeah and and so it's just it makes makes her visually less interesting and it makes it it just i mean yeah it's It's it seems like a small thing but it's really it just sort of makes it a bit more boring and a bit less comic booky be like you know taking the coat and red hat away from peggy yeah it makes something. her feel less superhero although i'm i say that but peggy was often not in that actually speaking of the tv show um one thing i really felt about the villain in this was that she was such a shield villain of the week villain <laughs> right like she's like oh it's not my fault i'm a monster and all that sort of stuff it's such a tv villain monster of the week Yes, I guess. Like the only thing that made it cinematic, I I liked. I don't. I I liked her, but I don't think it's cinematic. 
I don't think she's a cinematic enough villain. She cer- it, there certainly wasn't like you never felt that they could go fully hard against her because we always knew she had a tragic story. Like yeah, that was motivating her. Um, and I I liked her tragic story. And I thought it was quite good. And um, and clearly Hannah John Kamen is having one of those breakout years where she gets a role in every third blockbuster. But um, it was so easily easy to solve. And, and but it's so it's so TV. Like it just that's the thing that got to me was that it just felt so like or like a Buffy Monster of the Week or something. No, like sh- definitely an Agents of Shield kind of. Yeah, you yeah, you're absolutely of Shield, right. A Monster of the Week type villain, even with Bill Foster as like, you know, mm. um Hank Pym's like former rival. rival friend thing. Yeah. Felt so TV um and so small. It felt so small scale. I mean, th- that's a th- these, small scale. Ant Man. <laughs> these movies are small. That is, that's kind of the thing about the Ant Man movies. They're meant to be like little. They're meant to be like you know little criminal movies. They're meant to be like cozy mystery type. Yeah, things. but even um, Yellow Jacket in the first one was more cinematic than she is. He was very. Um, he was quite good. He was yeah quite um, theatrical. I liked him. Corey Stoll. Yeah, yeah. I quite like. I mean, he's he's a good actor, but also he like. You know, he was shrinking people into goo with his rays. Oh, he was he evil. was a bad guy. Properly but, evil, whereas she was like... And he poses. He posed a real threat. Yeah, yeah. Like, him using that technology to hurt many people was a real threat. All she wanted to do was cure herself, and the only person she was a real threat to until they started pushing her was Janet. Mm. Like, most of the people and that she fought against were bad guys, like uh, Walton Goggins. Right, and let's be honest, we don't really know Janet. Like we, she only yeah. really comes in in the third act. It really depends on you having a connection with Janet that doesn't exist that we don't have. Um, um, yeah, and she's very TV. Like Hannah John Cam is very much a TV actress. Like she's not. I don't. She's well. Like, she's not recognizable. No, but she's also not like theatrical. No, like Corey Stoll had, is, was tall and bald, and he had that big booming voice, mm. and it, that that kind of adds to it's. It's why Loki works as a villain because Tom Hiddleston brings all that theatre. Actually, it. I think she had a moment. You know when she first meets Scott mm. and she's weird with him? Yeah. If they'd gone in that sort of – it reminded me of Drusilla from Buffy, which is why I think I thought of Buffy. But if they'd gone in that kind of direction where she's like like creepy and you don't know what she's going to do, yeah, yeah. it could have been better. Yeah, like when she, fir- yeah, when she first appears and it just completely freaks them all out. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, it's not – the, and the, and the, the whole um the stake seems so small, right? And the 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 Russian one of Scott's friends, I don't remember his name, but the one who keeps re- comparing her to Baba Yaga, yeah, like actually building up a Baba Yaga yeah. vi- villain would have been awesome, yeah. But yeah, also like having her be unstable or having I know that's a it's a sexist trope, and I know the movie's mm. trying really hard to avoid that, but at least it's a character trait and it's theatrical and it yeah it gives you a like it gives you a sense of a threat as well she never feels like a big threat to them mm. really like she could feel like a much bigger threat than she is well and w- like walton goggins is almost scarier just because yeah. he's good at the crazy eyes and, and that but, sort of yeah that's o- what he o- does. overacting stuff yeah um and you know as soon as you see walton goggins you're like oh we're in for something now it's walton goggins they were both in tomb raider both walton goggins and hannah john came yeah they were yeah um but yeah like it, you, at least you know you're in for something yeah. to happen. Yeah, and he yeah. felt like more of, like, he was more scary because you knew he could, he was like, he didn't care about the consequences. No, no, yeah. Whereas she does care about the consequences but puts them aside because she's hurting. Mm. Like, it doesn't, 
it just doesn't feel no scary or threatening or anything like that. And then there's a moment where she's like, oh, I'm going to go after his daughter. And then they just like take that away immediately. So there's none of that. Mm. Like you don't get any threat. Yeah, they're trying really hard not to go down that path of putting you know, Cassie in danger again. I know. Or, they're trying they're, they're trying, trying really so hard. hard. <laughs> they're trying really hard to avoid And the they do tropes, largely. Which they do largely, but it means that there's no story. Mm. Like they don't build a story. When she said there's other ways, I thought she might well, she you know, she goes after Michael Pena or something. Yes. Like going after Michael Pena scares us because we love him. Right. It's, you know, or go after like Bobby Cannavale right, and, and Judy is... Greer because that's also not going yeah. after Cassie. Um, and the, it also, um, there is a moment where she expands the building on the, at the Fishman's <laughs> Wharf and we think Michael Payne, like the laws of physics would be that Michael Payne would get killed by that yeah. building and it's very scary for like half a second but then he just runs away. He's, he is almost the same distance from the fully blown up building that he was as he was from the tiny building a minute earlier in the shot like i swear to god he'd be dead there's no mm. chance that he'd still be he doesn't even run away he just stands there while it expands he'd be dead yeah no i i did some of the physics and stuff in this movie were and time nuts the way that everybody manages to get everywhere just in time to not get caught or just in uh. time to show up to save people when we've had no indication that they were on their way. These people were speeding around and, like, cheating yeah. to get in places. In San Francisco, How which is, fuck? like, a big city with lots of traffic. Yes. Oh, but, but that said, when they do do car chases through San Francisco, they use San Francisco, which is what you do when you have San Francisco Okay, use. this is what I mean. The creativity behind the use of the city the powers the suits all of that mm. stuff was great like that was to me the best part of yes this, you know to be able to create like that fight in the kitchen with wasp mm. was so good yes and i can highly recommend um on vanity fair they've done a youtube video with peyton reed the notes on a scene videos that okay. they do um and he he breaks it down into all the bits i think one of the problems with this movie is that it had like eight writers mm. because there are some i didn't lines- check that but of course it did I think I, I, I definitely noted it. Scott yeah. um Scott Rudd. Paul Rudd is Scott listed Rudd. as <laughs> Paul's younger brother. <laughs> is listed as one of the well, I, I think it's because Paul Rudd is not really so much acting in these movies no, as, as playing charming. Paul Rudd. Yeah. The super like he is yeah. so Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. There's yes. not really any the, the only bit of acting he has to do is when he's possessed by Janet Van Dyne. Yes, and that was great. Yeah. Um he's really good at the physical comedy. Yes. But like, you know, even the like him singing at his house, I watched that lip sync battle. That's the yeah, yeah. That's just what Paul Rudd <laughs> oh, does. and playing on the drums. Yeah, and like, exactly. Yeah. He's he's so Paul Rudd. That it, I think that's why I always find him just kind of disappointing as Ant Man. Yeah, he's not doing anything. Okay, I just he's but he's so charming and lovely, I and I love is, spending time but with he's him. Not yeah, there are trying. a whole heap of writers, including Paul Rudd. Yeah, on it. Hmm, interesting. And I think that is a problem because there are also lines that are so cheesy that, like, I fully rolled my eyes about twenty times in this movie. Um, oh, um, I don't, I don't remember having that experience at I, all. I had I write a great it? deal of fun. I wrote the opening with Janet was boring and cheesy. Like, I like, I actually don't mind Michelle Pfeiffer in this. I'm not a huge Michelle Pfeiffer fan. Yes, we've discussed. Um, But I quite like her, like, kind of positive hippie bubbly thing that she was doing as Janet. Mm. Um, I think that was fine. I was not mad at her being in this. Like, I thought she was fine. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm definitely more inclined to be 
kind to her because she's opposite Michael Douglas, who I don't really like, and who, again, is also really not doing much in this. I mean, a lot of the time he's doing line readings like he's... um, um, Like he's just reading the lines? No, what's his name? <laughs> the Marvel guy. Whose name just fell out of my head. You know, he's old. He's in every movie. Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Thank you. God, I don't know where, where my brain went. Just right, then. right. It just disappeared so, yeah, from my head. You know, 90-something and has yeah. to be fed his line through an earpiece. Yeah. Yes. Michael Douglas was doing line readings like that, mm-hmm. especially in the opening when he was doing that exposition about Janet. Like, it was like he was bored. He, yeah. I mean, he was lackadaisical. I will yeah. give him that. And he's supposed to be – the thing is, he's supposed to be such a big personality, Hank. He's supposed mm. to be – and I kind of thought he was in the first – I still didn't like him. Yeah, but he was definitely But he was – I felt like he was trying harder in the first movie than this one. In this one, he just sort of was there a lot and snarky sometimes. Mm. Yeah, well, one of my lines is full of creative uses of powers but cheesy lines. So, um, But, yeah, when, when that opening was like it was so – and it wasn't the acting in the flashback. It was the exposition dialogue was mm. very cheesy and very dull to me. And there's a lot of things where it's just like they just kind of – tell you how they feel or tell you what's happening so that they can get to the next funny scene. It's just a bit too kind of cheesy and like, and I think that's a lots of writers problem. They didn't care so much. Like they were trying to, you know, yeah. shift it to funny Away, bits. Yeah. And, and the, and I guess Paul Rudd is probably writing it with an eye to what's the funny line here. Yeah. How do I, how I, do I punch yeah. this up? Yeah. Like, and it kind of, I don't know. It, it made it, the, it made the in-between scenes for me a bit, um, cheap, I guess. Yeah. Okay. okay. I don't know. I, I, yeah. Like I, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the Ant Man movies, and this one, to me, was sort of like the first one in the. And I do think I think it's got a lot of the same strengths. Like those, the way that they use the powers to do things is really interesting and cool. Mm. But even then, I feel like they're not fully thinking out the powers because what would happen if you go through a tunnel to the quantum realm and then the building that you're in gets shrunk? Yeah. And then well, the you're, car. You're the, small though already. So And then the car containing the tiny building gets shrunk. So the building gets further shrunk. Does it though? Yes, because they it have must. it in there. Shh. Right? Like when when yeah. Wasp and Luis are Hope and Luis are running away from Walton Goggins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're in the car, they've got the building, and then they shrink the car. So the building gets further shrunk. So the things in it would have to be further quantum shrunk. realm size. Huh. Like the gate would be quantum yeah, realm yeah, no, size. No, the I, gate would disappear into the quantum realm and then they'd have like I Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that through, but the the physics are one of the things in this movie that makes me made me like there was bits that were just too unrealistic yeah. of the way they they moved around and the way that like the tiny cars and the big cars moved and all that kind of stuff that just were like yeah the fact they that they never fun. get squished yeah they were fun and creative but that yeah the fact that they never get squished like especially like you can sort of understand say that hope might not get squished because hope's probably got pra- had practice at driving mm. like that but michael Pena hasn't no no i don't think he ever drives when the cars oh no he does he does, he does. the hot wheels the, the yeah the one. little purple hot wheels the uh the hyundai product placement one mm. of the hyundai product placement cars yeah he does yeah yeah you're right i mean yeah that's the thing for me it's just like a lot of those things and and like sometimes it leads to really good gags and he's like the never seagulls been before either the yeah the seagulls yeah, gag yeah. which was my favorite gag like i was like crying laughing at the seagulls gag of course you were um 
Yes, that is exactly my type of humor. Yeah. Where the sea- seagulls just keep eating the ants that yep. he calls. Yep. <laughs> and then they ne- it nearly eats like him and he has to jump off the ant and he's like, no. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> um. Anyway. It was funny. Like, uh, I, Yes. Yeah. And there were jokes for like, there were lots of jokes. That, you for know, di- yeah, if, if you, for your different senses of humor. Yes. And um, the stuff with Cassie, like the big, the, even like him at his house when he's on house arrest, like mm. all the ways they show how bored he is, like mm. the fact that he's built this elaborate cardboard um, heist and slide. To teach his daughter how to steal things. To play with Cassie. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's how he, he plays with her. She I, I, teaches yeah, her how to just, steal things. Yeah, yeah. He's he's in, inducting her into the family business. Yeah. Um. And the uh the, the world's greatest grandma trophy. <laughs> that was so sweet. I liked that a lot because it called back. You know, the first movie when he brings her a doll and Judy Greer's like, "Why would you buy her that?" And Cassie goes, "It's so ugly. I love it." Yeah, yeah. Well, when they get the giant the the giant ant that becomes their pet yeah. at the end of the first one, she's like, "He's so ugly." Yeah, exactly. But she's she, delighted. Yeah. Um, I like that. I also, I really liked the way they dressed her in this movie, which was like, she always had like little flower crowns and she had like skirts and combat boots. And like, yeah. she was really like, it was like the coolest kid on the playground yeah. styling, but it was really good. I liked it. Mm. Um, and it kind of gave her a lot of personality to work with. And she's great. Like that little girl is the same actress and I heard sadly that they're casting it. You know, they're gonna have to cast someone else as a teenage Cassie for the next instalment. But like, I don't know if she's. Well, I don't know if they're going to like keep the teen Cassie. Like, yeah. I think what they're doing is setting up for the um, Teen Avengers or whatever. Yeah, not, Young Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but anyway, that little actress is great. Yeah, she's really, really good. Um, just so much personality. Great. Um, chemistry with Paul Rudd. They work really well together. She's yeah. just really good. I think they're casting Teen Cassie for Infinity War. Right, right. So I think yeah. that it's part of the time... The time thing, yeah. Time travel thing that That's they're going to happen do in, in Infinity, Infinity War, War that was set up at the end of this one. Yeah, of course. Which, like, again, like, everybody was like, oh, it's such a gut punch of an ending. And I was like, oh, didn't. I mean, to me, it's, like, comedy now. Yeah. It's uh- not... Sad, it's just kind of... Well, no, because now it's just like, come on, you know, we've got to resurrect all these people. It is annoying, though, because, of course, Scott's stuck in the quantum realm and, and they're all, um, they've all, you know, been thanos Yeah. Um, yeah. But to me, it was just like, oh, okay. And yeah. actually, it was, it, was like, it was like five seconds after the scene started and I was like, oh, I know what they're doing here. Right. And I have questions about the timeline as well, because if they've like they've decided to do this jump into the quantum realm right at that particular time and obviously they, it's because they need more like whatever healing, healing particles powers. for ghost but like the there's a cup infinity war last it has gone on for a couple of days like there's been an invasion of new york there's shit going down in wakanda like has none have none of the four of them heard about all that stuff cuz none of them have got an inkling of what's going on i mean but we do get set up at the end of the movie that Scott, that hank and janet have like completely kind of moved gone. to an island right yeah. yes they're away from humanity hope and scott probably had to travel to them because again they're also all still but they are on under a investigation. in san francisco they're in a, oh. like a parking lot they've got the laku karacha van yes they do that's and right. they're in a on, a on top of a building and they are so yeah, clearly so. san francisco i don't know just it was a bit weird like if, i feel like if nothing else they would have heard about the thing happening in new york well, maybe they just ignored anyway. it all because Scott got in so much trouble oh, last time. And yeah, maybe that's part of Scott's deal or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, let the others deal with. It. Anyway, it just it was one There's of those. There's no things. indication either in the first movie. They're like, we have to keep Scott and um, 
Hawkeye out of it. Mm. So, like, they mm. clearly didn't contact him for help. No, no. So, and that's and that's fair enough because clearly he got because I think um actually it's Hawkeye who contacts him, isn't it? In um in Civil War, he's just, yeah, bringing so. him in the back of the van with um with uh Scarlet Witch. Yeah, <laughs> and we said Black <laughs> Witch because <laughs> yeah, getting all mixed up. <laughs> My colors mixed. Um. The I, I was just thinking about that um that Randall Park's position at the beginning of the movie when he's like trying to explain to Cassie what happened like oh, he's like why? He's tries like... to use a kid friendly metaphor and then he just explains the entire thing yeah <laughs> which is really cute and funny but also like a way of just dumping exposition on us right but it also gives us everything we need to know about Randall Park's character yes it does and it's really it's well that's well handled exposition I think mm. um but like. I kind of feel like he really threw away a lot for the cheapness of Civil War, which was so, like, silly. Anyway, I don't like Civil War much. Um, Uh, I was fighting with Cap. Yeah, that was cute, though. To America. Um, Yeah, and and they, like, and again, they have to, you know, paper over why Wasp wasn't there. Like, they have to explain, once again, the sexism of Marvel movies in-universe. Yeah. And she was like, if I was there, you wouldn't have gotten caught. I'm like, well, mm. probably, yeah. <laughs> also, we don't see them get caught, do we? We just get told that they no, were caught No, we, we just get told that they were caught. Um, oh, no, wait. Everybody gets arrested. But do we see Scott get arrested? I don't remember. I don't remember. Because remember they were all, like, Falcon and that were in, in like, jail cells. Yeah. I don't remember Scott no, at all. but they would have been. They must have been. Yeah, he yeah. must have been. Like, literally all I remember of him from Civil War was when he showed up, got excited about Captain fan, America. And fangirled over Captain and America. And then got big. Yeah, that was exciting. Mm. The fangirling. Um, and the, I guess, getting big. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably focus on this movie. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> Go I, through my notes. Cause... Which I genuinely had a really good time watching this movie. So, I, I'm, yeah. I don't, I don't have major issues with it. That was my other favourite joke of the movie was when um, the ant was – was like pretending to be Paul Rudd in the house and Michael Pena walks in and he goes, Scotty? <laughs> to the ant <laughs> thinking that he's turned into an ant. That was great. Um, that made me laugh really hard as well. There was a couple of like lines that I liked as well. Yeah. I actually wrote too. I should on. have written them down. Oh, the massive objects. That's another problem that's carried over the, from the first one. Oh, yeah. Where like apparently the people, when they're little, still have all the same mass so they can still punch people. Yeah, yeah. But the buildings and the cars are li- light enough to just pick just up. Just carry around in a Hot Wheels case. Mm. Mm. I think that that is broken. Um, yeah, the phys- nobody has really thought through the physics of this movie. No. Um, I also wrote really on that Hank is dying, but he didn't. Yeah, I thought he was going to die. I wouldn't, have been, I wouldn't have minded. No, and I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, and it would have, you know, given some kind of storyline for Wasp as well. Yeah. More than she got. Um, talking about Janet in the quantum realm, there have to be other people there for her to yeah. know as much as she does. Yes, there absolutely must be. Like, there's no way that she figured out all of that and stayed sane by herself. And alive. And, and alive. kept all her limbs. Yeah, by herself in the quantum realm. Um, although um, I did think it was really cool when um, Hank was having that, like, dream yeah. And then there was this, like, creepy figure that came out with the big, like, side knife thing. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Janet. She's badass it Janet. Was that real, was cool. It was a real Star Wars introduction, that yes, one, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was very Star Warsy. I liked that a lot. Uh, I wrote Love That Subtle Writing at one point, and I don't know what that was about. No. And it must have been some terrible on-the-nose like, line. Yeah, it's, like, two lines above 
the the cheesy lines thing. So clearly I was annoyed with that at that point. Right. Oh, I got really excited about tardigrades. Yes, me too. <laughs> um, I also like this is the you know the what I was talking about the creativity when they have mm. the bus uh, the car chase scene, which is really great, especially with the way they move in and out of cars mm. and like Ava sh- phasing through, but then they have to think about actual like the other people having to move into them, mm. and then Scott being a bug on the windshield. Yeah, <laughs> on the windscreen she just wipers. T- t- he, he thinks he's so clever jumping onto the windscreen wiper, and she just turns the wipers yeah. on. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I love when Scott thinks he's clever, and then and he then gets, everyone, and he's immediately proved yeah. dumb. Um, I, and like when he doesn't know what's going on, that's fun for me because yeah. I'm not a huge scolding fan. So I'm like, yeah, take him down a few pegs. Well, yeah, um, I mean, it's yes, I um, it, it's why you got to get a good comedic actor into that role. Um, I was, I was wondering whether the um ants were all CG or maybe some of them were puppets because they definitely look puppety to me. They're, I especially the one that was like playing Scott in his yeah. house, um, that looked like a creature. Yeah. yeah, they looked a lot of them looked quite puppety. Like the texture of them looked yeah. paper mache esque. You know, like they looked like yeah. I didn't actually sort of you know look through the credits to see if there was a um someone who did creatures and stuff, but there almost certainly was. Um, I noted that you also laughed really hard when Paul Rudd leaned out of his house and leaned on the staircase to wave goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that was like me, the gym geek, as much as anything. Uh, but it was, but he that was a really clever move. He yeah. held onto the um, the handle and he slid forward into like a supported plank, but so he wouldn't touch the. Gra- it was crazy. Yeah, and but it was also one of those subtle like look how how swole he got for this movie bits. Um, like the, the um, very narratively imp- important. Very big plot bit where he has to get into the bath. Yeah. <laughs> sh- um, shirtlessness. Um, yeah, he's de- definitely less buff than a lot of the other guys, but still. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, but. Um, one of the plot points was being bad at hide and seek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I no, thought that was, was kind of dumb. Well, no, that was actually really funny because um, she's, when um, when Hope says, I always hid there, and, and Scott's first response is, mm, it means you're kind of bad at hide and seek. Yeah, you don't think that you get the point great. of it. That was great. But she was too big to be that bad at hide. She was like like Eight nine or something, or something yeah. in those flashbacks. Come on, man. Mm. Like she's this, about the same age as Cassie, which was played up. Like they, they cast yeah, yeah. the little girls to look very similar uh-huh. um, to the point where I was like, neither of those could be the children of their parents, but whatever. Yeah. Like at least Evangeline Lilly looks like she could be M- Michelle Pfeiffer and and Michael Douglas's daughter. Mm. Although I'm not sure about the ages, but whatever. I uh, don't. I don't actually. She could almost certainly be Michael Douglas's daughter. He's quite old. No, I mean he'd be w- really old when he had her. Is the point that I'm oh, making? Oh, right, right. And Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, would be because uh, um, Michael Douglas born the same year as my mother, and I'm roughly Evangeline Lilly's age. So yeah. really, but that she was old when she had me. Like, yeah, she was I know. Her... But Michael well, actually, Douglas, looks... no, I just said my mother was old when she had me. My mother was uh, about a year older than I am now when she had me. I, I, is, I just think Michael is, Douglas looks older than that. To be fair, old to have a kid. Yeah, so Evangeline Lilly's three years older than me, and Michael Douglas is born in. Same year as my mother. Yeah, so that'd be fine. So, and Michelle Fife is born in the late fifties, which is absolutely the age of most yes, parents. That would people be right. our age. I, yeah, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was around the right right yeah. age, but Michael Douglas just seemed. Maybe it's because he's so out of energy in this that he seems he, older. He does. Yeah, it's his dad is still alive. Yeah, like <laughs> but his dad on, is one hundred and two or something. I know, but come on, Michael Douglas, pick it up. <laughs> like, yeah, no, there's you they, can do better. They're, they're turning into one another. Um, and he, he, yeah, 
so he that would make him what? Um, seventy seventy four. Or turning seventy four this year. Yeah, he felt ninety. <laughs> like he felt like he was. Just... He didn't feel ninety, but he definitely. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I liked the gag of using a truck as a skateboard. Oh yes, that was great. Uh, okay. Um, so those are most of my notes. Uh, yeah, I didn't take a huge number, and no. like I just I don't know. The quantum realm stuff with Janet is probably the most interesting thing about this movie, mm. and I know why they built a movie around that. Yeah, but I feel like they could have put more effort into making a real threat because he he's. I think the thing is Ava's not even really a th- she's not a threat big threat to Scott who's the main character. She's just only a threat to Hope through her mother. So really the only character that she's a big threat to is a minor side character yeah. that we never met before. Mm. Like it really hinges on your attachment to Janet. Yeah. Who like you know should be so important. She's one of the real original Rich founding is members. The founder of the Avengers. Um yeah. Yeah. And we don't have that because Marvel has not done this probably <laughs> yeah uh, i think i was just looking at the cast list and i thought i thought when they did the scene um the sort of origin scene of um ghost that they just sort of aged um lawrence fishburne down mm. they did not his son played him i know <laughs> i know <laughs> you guys can't see my face but it's quite a face yeah that his son langston, looks that much like him langston fishburne are you sure they didn't just like have him be the body double and put lawrence fishburne's face i mean face they over might the have top? done a bit of that because he had lawrence but, fishburne's teeth man i know but langston fishburne is the like he's he's got the credit for it i cannot see a picture of langston fishburne smiling with his mouth open so i don't know what kind of teeth he has in real life he i mean he's a hollywood baby surely that he doesn't have exactly the same teeth as lawrence no fishburne, surely which not. is like a I mean, it's a thing, like for him, right? Yeah, that's right. one of his like right. calling cards. But you is those probably teeth. imagine that, um, yeah, that the children. Are, Langston, I'm looking at Langston Fishburne. Yeah, me too. Now I want to know. I mean, presumably they did some CG. Oh, he looks a lot like him. Yeah, yeah. Not, not enough to. Actually, yeah, he kind of does have the teeth. Well, he does like kind he, of. he hasn't. He looks like Anthony Mackie. He does actually a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that 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 is blowing my mind. <laughs> yes, there there has to be some CG. Oh that. yeah, well presumably there was. Like this movie is so full of CG. Like there's so much CG. Like I was talking about before, the physics. The half the reason the physics don't work is I think there's a probably a little overuse of CG in this film, um, because there's so there's just so much of it. It's like they almost, um, and in fact, watching the Vanity Fair video of Peyton Reed, I got the I certainly got the idea that they almost overused like they if they could do something cg they would or if they wanted to add something they, if yeah. they there was the option maybe to add. the ants were cg then i don't know well i mean the, i think the one who was playing um paul scott was um <laughs> i think that might have been a creature but again i because i only have the imdb credits i can't mm. i'm not like I, I can't see a creature you know person in the in the crew mm. um but that doesn't mean there wasn't one um yeah i don't know i think the cg I think when they were small, it was usually good. Yeah. Um, it's the shrinking down and up and all that stuff. Yeah, it's less. more. It's not that it was bad. It was that there was like it, I felt it felt just like there was too much of it. Yeah. Like they were showing off at times. Yeah, but I really like how creatively they use things. Like one of my favorite things was the fights because they're so creative. Like having um, Scott be big and use a truck as a skateboard is a that was stroke fantastic of genius, right? Yeah. Like. Like the train gag in the first one, you know. Yeah. And the Pez, Pez thing, dispenser. the giant Pez yeah. dispenser. The, when she made the salt shaker really big and mm. he bounced off it. Yeah, yeah. Like that stuff is so clever. And using a mallet 
to yeah. like as a threat to her was really good because uh-huh. there's that squishing element of it, you know. And yeah. All these things that they just are so creative with that stuff. Well, and that's and the seagull gag as well. Mm. I had the kind of Deadpool thing where I was like, I wish they would apply some of that to the story mm. and like try a little harder to make the story, you know, interesting and have a good villain and have a good like Yeah, yeah. Have it all tie in properly and have give Hope something to do aside from just a, like Yeah, a character arc. A character arc and a character. Like she was most alive when she got to be in the um Michael Pena his one story. Oh like my his God. one the signature Louise story <laughs> in this movie. I'm that glad they didn't great. overuse it. No, I'm glad they didn't either. Um, and the main characters got to be in it, which was really fun. Yeah, yeah. Um watching Evangeline Lily do the Michael Pena like yeah. face while his voice came out, that was sweet. That was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so different from what she normally has to do. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't get a lot of opportunity to, to do be funny things. like that. Yeah. Um, and she was so like, yeah, she was clearly enjoying herself. Uh-huh. And at least she didn't have to be either, you know, cranky or like misty-eyed over her father, which is all she ever, or her mother, <laughs> which is all she ever gets to do. Sometimes she's misty-eyed over Scott, mm. and otherwise she's like cranky. <laughs> I enjoyed the scene that she had with Walton Goggins actually. Oh yeah, when she in was the, like, yeah, well, the, that leads up to the kitchen scene, mm, the kitchen that fight. Whole bit I like. It's a really but good sequence like, when she when she's kind of leaning forward on the table and all that yeah. stuff. When she gets to be like the serious businesswoman, hope. Yeah, there's more. It's more to her. I think. The Can't you tell is, I'm a serious business lady? Look at my haircut. Yeah, this is a serious business lady haircut. <laughs> I think part of the problem is her storyline revolves so much around men. Yeah, it does. That like she doesn't get to do a lot of stuff for herself. No. The scene where also where Cassie was like, "You should have me as your partner." Was so cute, adorable. Yeah, and and, and also, I mean, setting up the and Teen she's Avengers like, Don't laugh thing. At me. Yeah, it was really cute. I like her a lot. She has more character than Hope does. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, we should wrap this up. Sure. Um, what are you giving it? I'm giving it three stars, which I think is what I gave the first one. I did like this better. Yeah. But also, I felt like the story was like more kind of direct in the first one whereas yeah. this one it's kind of all over the place I, i'm going for three and a half because i really enjoyed myself but i do recognize there are some shortcomings um in it but i i had a genuinely good time and it was kind of, it, i i felt like it was what i needed mm. as much as what i wanted i just it was nice to go and spend two hours just doing something fun in the mcu that's not like too not really particularly tied up to this big storyline and it's not massively traumatic and it's like you kind of it just felt nice i get that i mean the one we had before infinity war was black panther that was pretty fun that was pretty fun too i enjoyed that one I'm, as well i just kind of i know that but <laughs> the criticism rela- into, going into an, an action comedy movie that's like relaxing for me because mm. that is my genre of movie and yeah. book and that's like what i like to read that's what i like to watch so that that kind of i can just relax into that genre without having to turn my brain on too much I, I often like them too. I don't know. There's yeah. just something about Ant Man. I I I think there's just something about Ant Man that doesn't connect with me, yeah. and so I like I just don't like Ant Man himself. Both of the Ant Men I don't like much, and mm. the story is so much about them, and like it's just so like flat to me. Yeah, fair enough. With neither of them really trying, <laughs> like Paul Rudd's just you know playing Paul Rudd. As a superhero, using all his incredible charisma. Yeah, and I get that he is like I, you know, there's no way that I could not enjoy watching Paul Rudd for that long. I just don't feel like he's trying very hard. Yeah, you know, like there's not he's 
the the scene where he um has that argument with with Michael Pena in the um about the, his death yeah and like all of that stuff just kind of takes me out of it a bit but like then sometimes it works better for me like when they were when he <laughs> When they were teasing him when he was stuck at like the small height, which by the way was too small to be a child right. in high school. It was weird. Um, it was too. It was like too small. Although the teacher giving up made me laugh. Yeah. Um, but um, when when they were like, "Oh, he's cranky. Do you want a juice box and a string cheese?" and he was like, <laughs> "Do you really have those things?" That I thought was funny. <laughs> that was a good gag. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm. All right. It just feels kind of lazy to me. Yeah. Fair I enough. want more effort. Fair enough. All right. I will wrap up. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, um, you can find them on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.